Welcome to the Trademark Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to hear our message today. Another thing we would love is for you to join us in person, whether that's live, online, or if you're local to DFW, come visit our location in Fort Worth, Texas. For service times, location, and everything you need to know, visit trademark.church. We hope today's message encourages you and helps you live a more fulfilling life in Jesus. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Trademark. Uh, Would y'all make some noise for this worship team up here? Always just so thankful for them and and all that they do. And uh, if you're new with us today, just want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, We would love the opportunity to connect with you. In fact, if you look in the seat back in front of you, there's a little card that says connect. You can fill that out at any point during this service and drop it off at our first time guest area uh, when you leave today. And we've got a free gift for you just to say thank you for being with us today because we're truly excited Uh, that you're our guest. And we want to invite you out to something uh, that we're doing tonight. So maybe you're new to Trademark or maybe you've been coming for a little while and you just hadn't yet uh, got connected or officially made Trademark Church your church home and you would like to do that. We want to invite you to what we call Welcome to the Family. It's a dinner that my wife and I host here uh, on on this this evening at five o'clock. You can go to our website, RSVP, or just show up uh, we cater in food, we've got childcare, uh, our staff will be here, our elders will be here. This is just an awesome opportunity uh, for you to hear about why we exist as a church and how you can get involved. Uh, because here's the thing about being a follower of Christ. You need to be a part of a local church. Uh, contrary to cultural Christianity where it says, I can just have my relationship with Jesus and just do my own thing, uh, that's not biblical. The Bible says that we need to be a part of a congregation, a group, a gathering of people. And so there's a lot of amazing local churches. Uh, If this is not the one that you want to be a part of, we would love to help you get connected to another one. But you, you will not thrive as a follower of Christ without spiritual family. And so we want to invite you to consider being a part of this spiritual family. And we do that by uh, having you to a, to a dinner so you can hear more about uh, who we are and how you can get connected. Because when you get connected to a local church, God begins to use your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your resources to further his kingdom. And so uh, Christianity is not a solo sport. We are in this thing together and we need each other. And so we need spiritual family on this journey of following Jesus. So I would uh, love to just invite you out tonight if you have not been to Welcome to the Family and you'd like to hear more about how you can become part of this spiritual family at Trademark. So that's tonight. But today we're going to continue in this series we've been over the past couple of weeks called Women of Faith. This has been an awesome series. In fact, would you guys make some noise for our women's pastor, Natalie Boyce, for the past two Sundays? And she, she did a tremendous job uh, communicating. She's a gifted speaker. Uh, she's going to be preaching at our women's conference, our women's event coming up, conference event uh, that you need to sign up and be a part of. Not you guys, but ladies, you need to be a part of that. You'll hear more about it at the end of the service. Uh, but she did excellent. And so I would just encourage you to catch up on this series and go back and either go to our YouTube and watch the message back or go to our podcast and listen to them back. Uh, but I'm going to continue this series this week and next week. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, a lady today of, of significance. Um, uh, might not be your ideal um, thought for who God might use, but we're going to talk about a prostitute today 
named Rahab. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Joshua. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 2, and we're going to read a little bit in just a moment. Uh, but let me pray, and then I'll give you some context to uh, what's taking place in, in this, this portion of the Bible. God, we just thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for uh, just your love for us, your faithfulness to us. Thank you that we can come in this building uh, that in and of itself has no significance, but when your people are in it and your presence is in it, um, there's something special that takes place. And so, God, as we open your word, as we strive to learn today, uh, we just ask that the Holy Spirit would open our hearts and our minds and that we would walk out of this place challenged and we would walk out of this place changed. And so have your way uh, over these next few moments. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When you get to the book of Joshua, there's a lot that's taken place throughout, throughout Scripture already. Um, I'll give you a quick history lesson. Uh, if you grew up in church, you probably know some of the sequence of this, but um, God spoke to a man named Abraham. Uh, he said, Abraham, I want you to get everything that you have. I want you to gather your family, all your possessions, and I want you to go. Just go. Like, no real other details. Just get up, Abraham, and go, and I'll show you the place I want to send you. So Abraham, in faith, uh, he's known as the father of our faith. He gets up, takes all of his belongings and his people, and he just starts going. And he doesn't really know where he's going or what is going to happen. And you see this story begin to unfold of God doing amazing things through Abraham's faith. Abraham has a son. His son has a son. His son has multiple sons. And one of those sons is named uh, Joseph. And Joseph uh, gets sold by his brothers into slavery. Joseph ends up in Egypt and ends up in prison. And this crazy sequence of events takes place. And then Joseph ends up second in charge to the king of Egypt. God uses Joseph to um, do some amazing things. And then the Bible tells us that a new king came to power that did not remember the things that Joseph had done. And he enslaves the Israelite people. He puts them to hard labor. He enslaves them. He kills their children. All of these crazy things happen. Um, and then God raises up a leader named Moses. Many of us know the story of Moses. Moses goes to the Pharaoh. He says, let my people go. And all of the plagues come and he eventually lets the people go and they go out into the wilderness, the Red Sea parts and all of these miraculous things are happening. And God is taking these people to a place that he calls the promised land, a place flowing with milk and honey. What that means is a place of abundance place of blessing, a place, a place of favor. And so they're going there and they're, they're venturing and Moses is leading these people and then they're, they're right on the brink of the promised land. God says, this is yours for the taking. I've given it to you. Go and possess the land. Well, they're at the brink of the promised land and Moses sends out some spies to kind of scope it out. Twelve guys he sends out into the land and so they're there for a while and they come back with their report and they're like, this place is incredible. It's amazing. The produce, the land, the, 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 the scenery, like this place is heaven on earth. But 10 of the spies are like, people are really big. In fact, they're like giants and we're like grasshoppers. That's what they say. And their walls are big and their towns are fortified. And how in the world are we going to be able 
to take this land. And they spread a bad report to the people and the people begin to grumble against Moses and against God. They begin to say things like, we should just go back to Egypt. We were better off as slaves. Except for two guys, a guy named Caleb and a guy named Joshua. They're like, y'all are crazy. God is with us. God is for us. We can take this land. We can possess it. What ends up happening is God's people do not step into the promised land. Instead, they wander in the desert for the next 40 years. They missed out on the blessing and the provision of God because of their lack of faith. They did not believe that God would do what he said that he would do. And so they wander in the desert for the next 40 years. And then that generation dies out. But you know, it's interesting, even in the desert for 40 years, God still provided for his people. He provided them with food and leadership and guidance and a generation dies out and a new generation rises up. And now Joshua, one of those spies who was a young man at the time, now 40 years later, is the leader of God's people. And he leads God's people once again back to the brink of the promised land, this, this land that God has promised to his people. So they're at the brink once again. And Joshua sends in two spies. He learns something. I'm not going to send a bunch, just two. So he sends two guys in. These two guys are supposed to go scope out this land, this place called Jericho is kind of the first place that they've got to kind of overtake to get to this promised land. And so these two spies go in and they spend the night at a prostitute's house. And that's where we'll pick up in scripture. Joshua chapter two, verses nine through 15. Before the spies laid down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Shion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord has given us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourself there three days until they return and then go on your way. So Rahab, this prostitute, had taken these guys in, these spies. She had hidden them. She had told her leadership, the, the, the people of her city, that they weren't there, that they had fled. So she hides them. Then she sends them out the window um, and tells them to wait three days so the pursuers uh, will go past. Well, the spies go back. They tell Joshua, hey, Joshua. The people are terrified of us. Like, it's time to go. Let's go take the land. They are afraid of us. So Joshua consults with the Lord. 
They go in, crazy course of events happen. They, they, they don't even like fight really. They just march around the city for one day and then they go home. Then the second day, they did the same thing. And the third day, and the fourth day, and the fifth day, and the sixth day, and the seventh day. Then on the last day, they marched around seven times. If you're a warrior, you're probably like, all right, like I'm ready to go. I'm like ready to fight. What's going on, God? And God just said, hey, just lift up your voice. Lift up your praise. Give a shout. Watch what I do. They didn't even fight. They just shouted and the walls came crumbling down. They took the land. They took Jericho. But then if you read further on and you look in Joshua chapter 6, verse 22, it says this. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things made of silver, gold, bronze, and iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. You know, to make sure that we can fully appreciate Rahab in, in her story, uh, we need to little, know a little bit about the context in which she lived. Because the reality is, if, if we're being honest as, as Christians uh, living in this era today, um, if somebody's like, hey, what's the most likely person for God to use? Uh, our, our first response, our first thought is probably not gonna be a prostitute, right? We live in the belt buckle of the Bible belt, Texas. Basically, it's God and football and guns or in some order there. So we, we've, we've been, let's just be honest, we've been raised with a little bit of uh, religiosity in our lives to where when we think of the ideal candidate to serve God or to be used by God, it's usually somebody that has a title or stands on a stage or um, has just been so morally pure their, their whole life or whatever that may be. We often have this kind of picture of what the ideal person is that God uses. But when you look at scripture, God uses messed up, jacked up people to do extraordinary things. Rahab is a prostitute that God uses. She's this great woman of faith, and I think we've got to maybe give um, her some, some added credit for this as you really study this and, and, and learn about Rahab because um, she's going against, to have faith in God, to do what Rahab did is literally cutting across the grain of everything that she knows has been, and been taught. So to give you context to, to Rahab, Rahab was a Canaanite. Canaanites worshiped two gods, Baal and Asherah. And these were kind of like a, a couple god. They were kind of like a, a well, they weren't married, but in, in the theology of these two gods, they existed together. They were kind of cohorts in, in what people believed that they 
did. Baal was the god of the storm and life-giving rain. So Baal would send rain and help the crops be produced in these people's religion. Asherah was his cohort. She was the mother earth, mother goddess. And the worship of these gods had a very distorted view of sex. Super distorted view of sex. In fact, they attached sex with uh, prosperity and, and um, um, uh, the, 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 the harvest. So what was developed in this religion were uh, what were known as shrine prostitutes. These priestesses and priests who would perform sexual acts because the people believed that if you went and you slept with a prostitute that was dedicated to these particular gods, your harvest would be better. Harvest is coming. I need to go sleep with a shrine prostitute. I need prosperity. I go sleep with a shrine prostitute. That was the context in which Rahab was living in, born into, cultivated within. And so Rahab wasn't simply just prostituting herself for the exchange of money. She was prostituting herself as an act of worship to these gods that she served. From a very, very young age, it was probably instilled in Rahab, developed in Rahab, that her greatest tool, her greatest gift would be to give her body to men for the worship of these gods. That's what she grew up in, and that is what she became. But if you know anything about the human mind, psychology, the heart, I'm not talking about just emotions, but the heart of who we are, people, even in what we may see as the most jacked up things and acts that people do, Even to us, this may seem like, oh, like who would, it sounds like very inappropriate act of worship, right? Most people who live in some type of, of, of thing that is counter to actually who God wants them to be know deep down in their lives that they're being devalued as a human being. Knowing a little bit about people, and I'm not a trained psychologist or counselor or anything like that, but I've been around them number of people who are gifted in that area. And I've been around a number of people who have dealt with really difficult and hard things in their lives. People know when they are devalued. I have no doubt in my mind that every time Rahab finished an act of worship, she did not feel good about herself. Though she was doing something that she believed was sacrificial to worship her gods and to help her people Deep down in the soul of who she is, I believe she lays her head on the pillow at night and does not feel valued as a human being. She feels used. But then Rahab hears about this God who loves his people. And through these stories and these reports that are coming in, she hears about a God who rescued his people. And she hears about this God that is providing for his people. She hears about this God that is blessing his people, 
that has a plan for his people, that seems to radically care about his people. And I believe deep down in Rahab's heart, she said, I want that God to be my God. I want to serve a God that values me, that loves me, that sees something more in me. And Rahab makes a decision as God's people are coming and she knows that this God is, she even says it, not just the God of heaven, but the God also of earth. She makes a decision. She takes a step of faith. And what's so compelling about Rahab is that without having a Bible, without having any super in-depth theological knowledge of God, without having grown up in a godly family, and without having gotten it all together morally, she makes a decision to put her faith in God. She makes a decision to put her faith in God, and we know that it's a real faith decision because it moves her to real action on God's behalf. In fact, later in the New Testament, if you, you read Hebrews 11, you see Rahab mentioned in what we call the Faith Hall of Fame. Hebrews 11 has this list of people who did extraordinary things, who had extraordinary faith. And there's only two women mentioned. There is Sarah, the wife of Abraham. So if Abraham was the father of faith, Sarah must be the mother of faith. Talks about her great faith, even in her old age, when she thought it was impossible to have a baby, she believed and she conceived. And then right next to her, Rahab, the prostitute, is mentioned. Her faith. Then she's mentioned in James, where James compares Rahab to Abraham, the father of faith. He says this was their faith working. Abraham had great faith. Rahab had great faith. And so what, what are a few things we can learn from the life of Rahab, this amazing woman uh, of faith? I want you to take some notes this morning because I think it'll be helpful for you. I've got three things. There's a lot of takeaways from this uh, portion of scripture, but there's three things that, that I think um, are really important for us to understand about the story of Rahab. The first is this. You don't have to get cleaned up to show up for God. You don't have to get cleaned up to show up for God. Rahab, when she hid the spies, Rahab, when she was lying to her king about the spies being with her, Rahab, who was hiding them and then helped them escape, Rahab was living in sin and still served God. You know, sometimes we put a lot of pressure on people and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to get cleaned up before we show up for God. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves and we put a lot of pressure on other people to get it all figured out morally first. 
But that's why, that's why Christianity is so compelling. When you really look at Christianity compared to uh, the religions of old and the religions of new, all other world religions, past and present, say, do these things in order for God to love you. Where the Bible says that God just loves you and he's doing things for you and he's done things for you. We don't have to get cleaned up first. You know what God says? Come with a willing heart. Come with a surrendered heart. The Bible says that you can't please God without faith. This whole journey of following Jesus is about faith. So I love what Romans says in Romans chapter five, verse eight. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. This is the baseline, the foundation of Christianity. We don't do things to get to God. God came to us. While you were a sinner, while I was a sinner, living in my sin, Rahab was prostituting herself out in worship, not just for money, but in worship to a God that didn't even exist. And God said, I'll meet you in your mess. I'll use you in your mess because you have faith. Romans also tells us in Romans chapter two, verse four, don't you see how wonderfully kind tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? You know what I believe began to convict Rahab? Though she didn't get all cleaned up before she made a faith decision to serve God. I believe as she was feeling devalued, as she was feeling empty, as she was feeling maybe worthless in this worship of her gods. She saw how kind and how good and how gracious and how merciful the God of the Bible was. The God of the Israelites was. And it started to stir something in her. Even in my mess, even in the things that I'm doing, even in the sin of my life, they've messed up. They've been disobedient. They had to wander in the desert for 40 years, but look at how good God is to them. I want you to know something today. I don't know what you came in this room with or what you've struggled with or what you have felt you have just needed to get all together before you are worthy of serving God. Listen, it's not about you getting it all together. If God can use Rahab, God can use you. We have got to delete out of our mind anything that says you have got to be better to serve God. Now listen, we don't, we don't say that sin doesn't matter and we don't just sweep it under the rug. But it's when we experience God's grace. Wait, God could use me in the mess of my life? You know what that leads me to? Wanting to please God even more. You see, nobody is ever shamed out of their sin. I hope you know that. God didn't send an angel to Rahab and say, you know what, Rahab, you're a pathetic person. You are terrible. You're dirty. Look how disgusting you are. You know how many men you've slept with? Ugh. 
Once you get that all figured out, then we got a plan for you to use you. But get that all figured out. No. Right in the mess of her life. God said, Rahab, you have faith in who I am. I want to show you my goodness, my kindness, my mercy. And what we'll see later on is that it led Rahab out of the life that she was living. And so listen, you don't have to get cleaned up to show up for God. Secondly, something we've got to learn from this story is that real faith is risky because there is no certainty. Real faith is risky because there is no certainty. You know, Rahab was very much risking her life to hide these spies. If by chance they would have been found or the leaders would have discovered that Rahab had hid them and let them escape, her, her father, her mother, and everyone who belonged to them, all of the people that she wanted to save, all of those people would have been killed. But it it wouldn't have been just a merciful like, hey, you betrayed your country, we're gonna just, it'll be quick. No, they would have been tortured. It would have been brutal. She lived amongst a barbaric people. The things they would have done to her and her family are unspeakable. And so she was risking it and she had no guarantee that these spies would actually go back and say anything about her and her family. There was no guarantee. You know the Israelite people despised other people. God's chosen people did not value other people. They could have easily said, you know what? Pulled one over on her. They could have never brought it up to Joshua. Joshua is a leader of millions of people. He, he, they had to work their way back to give this report. They could have been reporting about strategy. They could have been reporting about how many warriors they saw. They could have been reporting about how big the walls were. They could have reported on all sorts of other things. They went back and they said, Joshua, we made a promise to this prostitute. She helped us. It's because of her report. We know that the people are terrified. They're fearful of our God. It was a risk for her to do this. You know, one of the biggest obstacles I think that that we face on our journey as Christians is that we want to know the outcome before we take the step. We want to know what blessing we're going to receive. We want to know how it's all going to work out. We want to know if the relationship is going to work. We want to know if the finances are going to come through. We want to know the end before we take the step. That's not faith. Faith has so much uncertainty. You know the only certainty that we have in our faith in Jesus is that on the other side of this life, we will be with him That is the certainty. But on this side of life, there is no certainty. Do not buy into a Christianity that says if you just worship more, if you just pray harder, if you just show up more, God's going to do what you want him to do. That leaves so many of us disappointed. You know what it means to be a follower of Christ? It's to live in faith and to trust God with the outcome. That's obedience. 
God, listen, I believe that you are who you say that you are. I believe that you are going to do what you say you're going to do. And so in faith, I take the step and I trust you with the outcome. What if the spies would have never told Rahab or told Joshua about Rahab? You know what would have happened? Rahab and her entire family would have been killed. It would have been tragic. It would have been, dang, why don't those guys tell Joshua what she did for them? We probably actually would have never read about Rahab in scripture. But you know what Rahab would have been? Though it would have been tragic. You know who saw Rahab's faith? God. You see, people may not see the steps of faith that you take. Faith does not always equate into this visual, monetary, material blessing. There's going to be so many times where you have to take a step of faith that makes completely no sense and nobody ever sees it and it doesn't work out the way that you thought it would work out on this side of eternity But on the other side, all things come to be. When you read through Hebrews 11, this great list of people of faith, you see all of these great stories. Because sometimes your step of faith does produce something amazing. But then you get down to the bottom of Hebrews 11 and you see all of these people who had great faith, but they were killed because of it. Great things didn't happen. But they did on the other side of eternity. Faith is risky because there is uncertainty involved with it. But that's why 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us that we live by faith and not by sight. There would be no need for faith if we knew everything that was going to happen. And it is impossible, Hebrews 11 tells us, to please God without faith. God is not looking for the most put together person. He's looking for the most available person. The person that says, God, (laughs) I just trust you. I know it doesn't make sense for me to give the first of my income back to the local church, but I trust you. It doesn't make sense for me to show up early like this team does up here at 630 in the morning on Sundays to serve and prepare to lead. It doesn't make sense, God. I could be sleeping in. I could be spending more time with my family, but I I trust you in faith. I'm going to serve you. And other hundreds of volunteers here at Trademark. It it doesn't make sense to say, God, listen, we want to build basketball courts in the Dominican Republic. 48 of them, actually. Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. It doesn't make sense. We could just sit here and be comfortable, but we believe in faith. God is going to use those courts to change and transform children's lives. I may not even be here when the last court gets built. Maybe it takes 48 years. Maybe I'm an old man sitting in a wheelchair with somebody cleaning my chin. You know what? I step out in faith because I believe that God's going to do something great, even if I don't see it. For some of you that gave to that or have given or whatever, there's so many different examples that I can put out there. Endless examples of things that we do in faith that don't make sense to the world. That aren't playing it safe. But we believe in faith. 
that God's going to do something with it. Rahab had no guarantees. She, all she had was faith. She said, I have seen what that God can do. That's the God that I want to serve. And in faith, whether it works out for me or not, I am going to take this step and I'm going to hide these spies and I'm going to do what I can do to be on God's side. I'm going to call the band up as we get ready to close. You don't have to get cleaned up to show up for God. Real faith is risky because there is no certainty. Um, But another lesson that we can learn from this woman of faith is that God always has a bigger plan in place. Always. You see, God doesn't exist within the confines of time. We, we see the past and we see the present. We, we know what the past looks like for us. And, and we can't go back, but we can look back and then we can only live in the present and we have no idea what tomorrow has. We have no idea what the next hour has. Minute. We, we don't know. But God exists outside of time. God is behind us, he's with us, and he's ahead of us. It's the beauty of God. He can fix your past and he can work in your present and he can pave a way for your future because he exists in all of it. So there's always a bigger plan with God. It's never just the moment of faith. It's the bigger plan that God wants to use with that moment of faith. You see, Rahab had no idea that this one step of faith she took, she had no idea how it would alter her life. Radically and completely alter her life. We don't have all the details of Rahab's life. Rahab didn't even know all the details that would unfold. Rahab wasn't even there to see all of the details of God's plan unfold because here's what we do know. Rahab became a part of God's people. She joined them. She stopped prostituting herself. She married a man named Solomon who became and became a mom And she had a son named Boaz. And then Boaz married a woman named Ruth who had a son named Jess. Jess then had a son named David who became king and a man after God's own heart. And then 25 plus generations later, Rahab was gone, when King David was gone. There was another son that came along named Joseph who married a young girl named Mary who had a baby and named him Jesus. Don't tell me that God can't use you in your brokenness. Don't tell me that God doesn't want to use you right where you're at because God used a prostitute in the lineage of Jesus. And as Christians, we need to know what Romans 8, 28 says. It says, and we know that God causes everything 
to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Rahab had no idea that by hiding those spies and by trusting in God, she would be the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. I don't know if that wows you, but it should. That the very son of God, the very person that we worship in this place, Throughout his lineage, there was a prostitute named Rahab. And she is in this lineage because she had faith. God always has a bigger plan in place. There's a bigger plan in your pain. There's a bigger plan in the mess of your life. There's a bigger plan in anything and everything that's going on if you have faith. Because here's something that we've got to realize. All of God's plans, listen to this, all of God's plans Every plan that God wants to accomplish, everything that God wants to do, he uses people to fulfill them. And so what I wanna just challenge you to ask yourself today, and as you leave this place, and as you go back to the busyness of your lives this week, what is the step of faith that God is calling you to make? Maybe it's to be baptized. Maybe you've, made a decision to be a Christian, you wanna follow Jesus with your life, but you haven't been baptized yet, be baptized. Don't delay, we're gonna baptize on June uh, June 5th. Don't delay, maybe that's the step of faith. Maybe the step of faith is reconciling with a family member. Maybe the step of faith this afternoon, husbands, is to apologize for your wife for something. Maybe it's to talk to your kids about something or to reconcile some things there. Maybe it's to begin serving. Maybe it's to join a church. It's to show up tonight and make a commitment to be a part of a local body of believers. I I don't know. All across this room, there's probably dozens upon dozens of steps of faith that God is just saying, take it. Take it. I know it's risky. I know you got junk and funk going on in your life. It's all right. Take this step of faith because I've got bigger plans and they may be so big that they'll outlive you and they'll outlast you and you won't even see the final result of them on this side of eternity but I promise when you cross over you'll be able to see it all so if everyone would just bow their heads and close their eyes I just want to pray for you this morning if there's a step of faith that Maybe God is just telling you in your heart, it is time to make. Would you just raise your hand so I could pray with you? Maybe it's a big decision with work. Maybe it's a big decision with family or finances, or maybe it's a relationship decision that needs to take place. It could be anything. Maybe there's something that God has just been saying to your heart. Listen, trust me. Trust me. I want to just pray for you right now that you would. God, all across this room, there's hands that have gone up. You know every situation and circumstance. And God, we're not just praying some wishful prayer right now. We're not just praying, God, just magically make something happen. What we're praying right now, God, is that for every person that knows that there is something that you are calling them to do, that they would do it. 
that you would extinguish the fear, that you would ease the anxiety, and that you would bring your presence upon them, that they would know that your Holy Spirit is with them, and that God, just like Rahab, maybe things are messed up, maybe there's uncertainty in it all, but that they would know in taking that step of faith that there's a bigger plan in place. God, give them the strength this morning. Give all of us the strength as we leave this place to not live by sight, but to live by faith in who you are. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Trademark Church Podcast. If this message inspired you today, feel free to share with friends, leave a rating, and subscribe so you don't miss any of our weekly messages. This podcast and everything that we do at Trademark Church is only possible because of the generosity of those that call Trademark Church home. If you would like to give to the work that God is doing through Trademark, please visit trademark.church. Thanks again for checking out the podcast, and we'll see you soon.